Welcome to Beer and a Movie, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. Will this episode be that occasion? We will find out. With me always is... Carlos Cooper. And... Dave Gurney. Welcome, gents. Hey. Hello. Thanks for welcoming us. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're, we're going to do, uh, you know, our, our typical thing here, although we're, we're actually um, going to start off a little differently than we, we do every time. Uh, we, we've done this a little in the past where we've kind of um, done, done some sort of capsule review or so, something at the Sneak beginning of the episode. Sneak in a third right? movie. Um, so, so we thought we might do that because we're not going to devote a full episode to this film, but it is a uh, much buzzed about and uh, successful film right now, and that is the movie Hustlers. And I would hate it if we had a discussion about a movie without any beer in our glasses. So <laughs> I'd hate that too. Um, Am I getting the impression this is a three beer episode? It very well may end oh, up being boy. that. Oh boy, yeah. Knows, so, man. so we're going to start off. We're going to talk a little bit about hustlers, and we're going to do that while we're sipping on a beer that uh, is from Lone Pine Brewery up in Portland, Maine. This is their double IPA that they call OJ. And I thought with a film featuring Lizzo, it makes sense to have a beer that uh, proclaims itself to be juice as we uh, speak. So this is an 8.1. And judging by uh, the orange on the marketing and the name itself, OJ, I'm thinking we're going to hear, feel and taste some heavy citrus. Let's hope. Yeah. So... Did you already say we were talking about Hustlers? Yeah, I did. I okay. mentioned it a couple times. So, so, <laughs> so, so it was an occasion where two out of three of us happened to just go to the No, 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 no. We ended up oh, with Oh, you saw Hustlers also? I saw it, yeah. Oh. I saw it. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah, I didn't think that I was going to get to see it because I was going to have to work at Astra in. Um, but we had a suddenly and surprisingly free evening uh kylie's been really wanting to see hustlers and so i was like all right fuck it let's go and so we went and saw it and i ended up seeing ad Asher by myself uh which is totally fine um that's how i got to hustlers uh aislinn wanted a date night and this was the movie of her choice yeah and you know i based on the trailer found it to be you know somewhat interesting um, I wasn't like against it or anything like that. I don't particularly like love Cardi B, so like the heavy Cardi B ness of it all in the trailer. She, in the trailer was and then she's like, in the movie for thirty say, seconds. Yeah, it was right. kind of like whatever. Um, but um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was it was interesting enough for me to be like, all right, yeah, let's go. Like I'm not against it at all. And to get it straight into the review of the film, I found myself quite bored for uh, a good chunk of the time. Yeah. I don't think that we as, uh, as a as the human race deserve JLo cause she's 50 <laughs> and it is looks doing like and is not even looks, forget what she looks like. Look at what she was doing. Yeah. I like, Physical, I could, the, the pole the, work, the, the pole work about, yeah. that she was doing from like a, just a physical standpoint at 27, I could not dream of. Right. And she's 50 and just like crushing yeah. it, which is totally unfair, I think. Uh, but um, I think, but I, you know, what I will say as far as how bored I may or may not have been in like the middle chunk of the film, I think that the ending was worth it, um, especially when we get to see J-Lo, 
you know, talking about her friend after we've spent so much time with her friend and that whole part of it carries, you know, a lot of emotional weight. It's a very sweet ending to a movie and, uh, I'm not upset that I saw it, but I don't think I'll see it again. Yeah. David, you wanted to, you were eager to see it. David was hyped. I was hyped. And for for a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm I can't claim to be the biggest Cardi B fan. I I don't dislike Cardi B, but uh, I'll be seeing her live in about 2 weekends. Well, oh shit. There you go. Um but but I do love Lizzo and and she was in the trailer and you know, very briefly and she's also very briefly in the movie. Um so that was exciting. Um Constance Wu is is uh somebody who I was curious about given, you know, her success with Crazy Rich Asians. Um but just in general the premise I kinda liked it. It looked like it was gonna be this really interesting take on the kind of uh heist film genre in a way um with, with a with a crew of females you know kind of like what was uh was it uh oceans 13 is that what oceans 8 oceans 8 thank you yes they went back um oceans 8 was that last summer anyway th- you know so i kind of okay this this could be good I, I could i could enjoy this the soundtrack i thought would be really good which actually was born out. I like I liked a lot of the songs that they chose to use uh, throughout the film. Um, so so I was excited to see it. Um, I liked it. I mean, I I think it's a well made film. I had some issues with it, uh, but overall, I didn't feel that it dragged too much. I do think it got um, it got a little bogged down in the middle. I think there, there there was something there with the transition from the early period to the later period, and them doing the. I think they could have maybe accelerated that, and there there might not have needed to be quite as much of a transition there. But um, but my biggest criticism I think has to do with the um, with the Constance Wu character, which I'm I'm kind of blanking Dorothy, right? Who who eventually goes by the name or goes by the name Destiny, right? Yeah. Stripper. Dorothy that, and Destiny. Yeah, yeah there, there was something lacking there, and it was in the writing. It wasn't in the performance. There was something about that character and the way that she. I don't know. It it, it just didn't it didn't make sense. She didn't to me. have the hustle. Well, and J Lo had the hustle. J Lo definitely she had the hustle. Did but then also okay. The, another in the writing, like the J Lo, and in the writing in the character, I agree. Right, the J, Ramona, the, uh-huh. the J Lo character. It, it didn't ring true to me the way that sh- that character went either. You know what I mean? Like the the sort of recklessness to- towards the end, and the, and what eventually gets them into trouble and everything. Like it didn't seem true to the Ramona character that they had established before. So there were. There were kind of these shifts in character that went on, especially towards the end of the film, that just didn't... It made those characters feel a little less real to me. Yeah, and again, I don't think you're looking for an Academy Award performances. I don't think although you're people have, I, I mean, critics have said that J Lo may be in the running. Yeah. I, She's I fantastic in it. I'll say. I mean, I, I think that I think she was good. I. Mm, sure, there's some like you know some writing issues in the script, but I I think for me the biggest part that I got hung up on was just how much time we spent in like the actual hustle itself and then the part where the hustle goes kind of bad is right. a little rushed through and and you know which character's going to do it. The character's yeah, telegraphed as being straight away, the, yeah. and you really don't that's get the, the any, tweaked out yeah, character who Dawn, comes in. And was her name Don? 
Yeah. Did I make that? Constance Wu says this we shouldn't trust this girl. Let's trust her, and then she she falls apart. And she also sings. But you don't. But you don't get time with that character. Correct. To think like, okay, she's actually a part of this or whatever, and then for her to kind of surprise you and fuck things up, and like the it just kind of all is it just all happens without a lot of emotional kind of gravitas to it. Right. And then you know the emotionality of the whole thing kind of hits you more at the end at least for me where there is some kind of emotional weight to it in the yeah, last that... like 10 minutes or so but before that i don't know the whole first i don't know 45 minutes an hour is great yeah that was my favorite part of the film and then learning how that last part's rough uh-huh. that last middle 45 minutes is rough and then the last 10 minutes is great again and I kind of agree with everything you're saying. That yeah. first 45 minutes, which is the, I am struggling in the career that I've chosen, whether or not ethically or morally you believe that's a good career or a poor career, doesn't even matter. In the, 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 the nuts and the bolts and the how it's made, I love that part. Her getting a mentor, J-Lo. J-Lo yeah. showing her the tricks. J-Lo showing her how to make more money by just using... Your assets, I think J-Lo says that in the film. I don't mean to come across as anything gross. No. Uh, And and using it properly in order to extract as much money from men that are looking to spend money. And if they're not looking to spend money, don't spend time with them. Just that kind of nuts and bolts I found pretty fascinating. But then when it gets into the hustle and you realize the illegality of what they're doing, it, 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 it... Got a little sour for me, and the movie kind of just coasted at that point. And then you're right; at the last ten minutes, it it, it there was some payoff to what I enjoyed at the very beginning of the film. I yeah. won't see the movie again. I don't think it's going to make a huge cultural impact, but I will tell you this: it was the part. rowdiest crowd <laughs> at a movie theater. Did you go to a rowdy screening? I know. I went to oh, opening okay. night, eight uh, o'clock, nine o'clock, and it was filled with girls' night out. Yeah. And it was like a magic mic vibe. And it, oh yeah. And it was hilarious and yeah. fun. And it made the movie fun. You know how when you go to the, the yeah. right crowds in the theater and it Hell elevates yeah. the experience? Sure. That was also there as well. I saw uh, the last good experience I remember having at the Rat Theater was uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw For- Massacre 3D. And um, it was in one of the big, big stadium corner theaters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole audience is like, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. for that movie. Like, who gives a shit about that movie, you know? Uh, right. But yeah. yeah, I think I, I, the main thing I disagree with you about is I do think it will have more of a cultural impact. Because maybe in midnight screenings at like an Alamo. Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that the film itself is going to have some crazy, huge legacy test of time, no. whatever. But I think that. It is very important in the moment. I think that it is showing an industry that a female-led film can do huge numbers and that you shouldn't shy away from that kind of thing. Uh, And so I think that the more like political statement within the industry that it's making will have a legacy of its own. Yeah. But I don't think the film itself is going to be like, you know, like a room type of situation well, or anything like that. I th- I think <laughs> where, where I was impressed with it too was also in its kind of social commentary on class. I mean, yeah. the, it very openly... It's a openly, Marxist film, but it's hard. It is. I mean, it very openly talks about, okay, 
why are we so judgmental about these women and what they chose to do to get this money when the guys who they were taking it from were largely responsible for collapsing the economy and never yes. had any repercussions that, that for that? I mean, and, and that it was saying that so yeah. overtly and um, and clearly and yeah. directly, that that's pretty great. And that an audience is seeing that and responding to it in the way it does. I think yeah. that's that's a positive. But again, that's what makes me a little bit frustrated that some of these. I think with a little a little more work on the screenplay, um, and maybe it was in the editing too. I'm sure they had to cut some stuff out. Like there were just parts that did not make sense to me, like the um, the development of the Destiny Dorothy character and the, you know her relationship with that guy and the kid. Yeah, like, G Easy. Fuck G-Eazy. Who is G-Eazy? I don't know. I saw him and I looked over at Kylie and I was like, is that G-Eazy? So and she was like, I don't think so. And then such a trademark Carlos and move. Then, <laughs> and then I looked it up later and I was like, why the <laughs> fuck did they cast this guy? Just like just like when we talked about the dirt, they cast Machine Gun Kelly yeah. as fucking Tommy Lee. He's G-Eazy is the exact same person as Machine Gun is Kelly. Is that right? It could just be a fucking anything? white rapper, fuckboy, like whatever. And yeah, they gloss over that relationship right in a way Which, that is it not could fulfilling. be anything it's always a peripheral character and then david or myself will usually mention the character mm-hmm. and he'll go we're doing that astro next yeah. tommy lee jones fuck, fuck tommy lee jones <laughs> or first of all first of all i would never say I fuck understand. agent k right ever right. <laughs> ever i would have gone to, to uh, well, there, no, no country for old men for mm-hmm. the respect men in black them. yeah the, well there you go so so it just as much as I enjoyed the film, it felt it felt like there were a few missed opportunities. To I really hated the Machine Gun Kelly. Well, there you go. I mean, so I maybe it was maybe movie. it was a blessing in disguise that it was so minimized yeah. in the film. But but for the characters' development, it would just, would have just been better if they cast somebody better, See, I guess, that, and had it. Or right. or just spend a little, little more time because really all she, that you like find out is like okay, like she's involved with this guy, she gets pregnant, he's like I'm going to take care of you. Things go sour, he dips. That's it. Like as much time. Well, you as, don't even know she kind of pushes him out of the like well, but it's I mean, not I mean, clear because of a domestic clear, abuse I mean, situation well, I mean, how do we know it's that somewhat implied but the, the how only, is that implied i didn't see any of it what are we, just the, because he has tattoos no 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 yes. no, no, no no god damn. as somebody with tattoos no he was he was he was he was he was yelling no it was it was the, it was the vit- they killed. were both yelling they were they were it was it was the vitriol with which they were addressing each other that in front of their child yeah that it implied that maybe some physical altercation had happened it's I mean, that's not explicit, and we can't say that for sure, but I would say that clearly things were not good, clearly things had gone bad, and clearly we were witnessing them at the breaking point, but the problem is we didn't see anything leading up to the breaking point. Right, right. And so it it doesn't really carry Nor did we see anything leading up to the... Them getting initial together happiness point, right? I mean, it's like they're at a pool party, and it's like, hey, you want to talk? So that's it. You know, I mean, like... I don't know. They're, they're just, yeah. There could have been a little bit more time on the characters. But there Either we way, Okay, well. We could do a lot of time on this I, film, it, it appears. Yeah. More than I expected. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's 10 minutes longer than I figured. Yeah. Now, yeah. speaking of OJ. Wait, well, what? Huh? Um, who? I was, I was, man, this, this whole time we've been talking, I've been trying to work in some DNA tests that bitch reference oh, yeah, to this beer, tough, but yeah. it, it hasn't worked for me. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about it? A little misleading, I think. You, you know that 
I, I kind of agree with that. When I got the can, called OJ, I thought, oh, this is going to be one hell with the, of a juicy with double the, IPA. With a big orange slice the huge in the background. orange slice on and the can. It, there is some citrus in there. there. I'm not going to say there's none. But this but is it's not a pickle very, beer. It's very malty. Okay, with, oak, okay. with orange juice Leave instead. Leave Kelly alone. Huh? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's a... I didn't get that. Kelly, Kelly, the, the brewer at New Braun. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, is that it's packaged as if you're going to get a glass of right. orange right. juice, and it's it is not that the way that no. you would expect a pickle beer to taste I like agree. pickles. I was I just mean, saying, leave them alone because we're coming back to the pickle fucker again. Right? You know, it, it wouldn't. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> you said pickle beer. You did. I meant. Okay. <laughs> Let continue. You you meant it's that right. when a beer advertises itself as, as being OJ special, yes, yeah, 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 that yeah, it should yeah. have that. Yeah, not, it says zero. It does say zero percent fruit on it. No, uh, it it does. Fresh, I'll never get, frozen, not from concentrate, unfiltered, unpasteurized, because all good things are wild and free. I think uh, this I is like a. That. I think it's a quality double IPA. Good beer, but I would never market this as mm. being super juicy. I would never call it OJ. Yeah, uh, it is a good beer though. Yeah, in its own right. And I've and I've had other Lone Pine stuff that I've really enjoyed, but you know, if, if this this will probably be memorialized on the shelf. In our studio, because of the appealing can art, it's lovely art. Yeah, yeah. that's your criteria: is the can art the either displayed? it either has to have really good can art, or it Not has to be a beer that I loved. Yeah. Um. So you know, you can see over there we have the big ass money stout. Um, no, the, I'm I'm telling you, the I'm cinnamon having, donut one I kept because I'm thought having the can art was good. a. I had a mind experience of expectation based on the marketing mm-hmm. that was not met. And now I'm soured on the beer when I probably shouldn't be. Now, I also think that Ad Astra was kind of soured by its marketing. Are we moving right into it? Moving right into it. Are we going to open a beer first? Yeah, we need another beer. Um, So... at Astra, we'll, as we will get into it here soon, the, the one of the primary films for this episode, um, new release uh, from uh, James Gray, director James Gray, writer director James Gray. What else has he done? Um, the Yards. Uh, not the it? Longest Yard, starring Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, not not the Longest Yard, uh, starring Adam Sandler, nor the Longest <laughs> Yard, starring Burt Reynolds. Well, um, both of them star Burt Reynolds. Let's just get that correct. Well, that's true, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, some of his other films: Little Odessa, We Own the Night, Two Lovers, uh, Blood Ties. Man, really not familiar with his work Immigrant. at all. I I've seen The Yards. I've seen I the Immigrant. Saw um, Two Lovers. And uh, but but uh, but neither of them really stood out to me as as sort of films that I loved. But um, but nonetheless, bigger budget uh, sci-fi film coming from him here, starring Jane, uh, starring <laughs> Brad Pitt, one of the biggest stars going in uh, in Hollywood. So a m- much higher profile kind of film for him, and uh, it's a science fiction adventure film, which touches off with the sort of disruption that comes from the this mysterious power surge from these yeah. sort of waves that are blasted out from uh towards uh Uran- wait no it's not from right. neptune. neptune it's from Thank neptune you. towards earth from neptune towards earth it's funny when that scene happened i was well, hold on i'm waiting for you to tie into this beer that you're about to oh, open yeah. so <laughs> i'm waiting for there's some some word you're getting towards these this. waves these power waves okay. coming 
I've brought a beer called Stairwaves. Yeah, okay. that there is from is. Mass Landing and Dancing Gnome. You just brought Joe to completion. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mass Landing out of uh, Westbrook, Maine, and Dancing Gnome. I'm going to admit I forgot to look up, but they are. So we got a collaboration. We have a collab beer. Uh, Dancing Gnome is out of Pittsburgh, PA. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry to go, go back something we moved on for, but the Alamo pre-show for Hustlers was very good. Yeah. Just want to give respect it, where it, respect is due. Long version trailer of Showgirls, which was worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah, and then you had the Lizzo video, the J-Lo video. I That's mean, there right. was yeah. great stuff. Cardi B video. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and pass the stairwaves around. What's the style, David? I didn't catch it. This is, uh, we're staying uh, consistent here this episode. This is another, well, it's a double IPA, but this one is triple dry hopped. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And the ABV on this? Uh, 14%. What does it say? You have the can there. I'm looking. I'm not finding. Okay. I'm going to pour and pass to Carlos to complete the task. All right. All right. You were talking about the initial scene of Ad Astra, where where I did not realize, because... And, and, and I don't mean to interrupt, but this film got such grave reviews at its initial screenings mm-hmm. that I avoided everything. I didn't want to know anything about it. So that it was that first scene that made you understand that they had gone, that we had gone into the future, that, that this is a future set film, but not too far from now. Right. I didn't get that from the first scene. Because to my knowledge, there is there is not a tower, tower that is yeah. on the Earth extended up into into outer space. No, it was floating, wasn't it? No, no it was it was from the because remember he falls down along. Yeah, but it was connected it. the entire time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whenever that scene was happening, I was like. Man, they really should have some parachutes or something, just in case. You know? And he did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so you know, th- we should give a little bit better plot yeah, synopsis go ahead. here. But, you know, the basic idea is, yes, we're in a perhaps not too distant future where... Um, we have colonized the moon. We have colonized Mars. R- well, we don't know that from the jump. We find right? that out, uh-huh. yes. But, but uh, we're definitely trying to make contact with life in other parts of the universe. And, in fact, we sent out this rather large sort of vessel to go out into space to try to reach mm-hmm. beyond the solar system. Go farther than we ever have. Right. Yeah. And um, and that had been go all the way to your piloted ears. by the father of the Brad Pitt character. Played by um, Tommy Lee Jones. Right. Agent K. And uh, after Tommy Lee Jones. After retiring from the Men in Black. Right. He served on the Lima project. Oh come on. Don't try to don't try to make Shared a universe, man. Here. Shared no, universe. No. So Roy McBride, the uh, the Brad Pitt character, is kind of working uh, to, with part of this system to try to uh, contact uh, alien life outside of the solar system, but from Earth primarily. And is uh, he? Yeah, because he's on that tower, and then he like falls. I thought and, that was just like his job was to like work up there. I didn't know they were trying to contact life. Yeah, those antenna. They're like antenna to like. Antenna. Antenna. There you How go. How many beers did you have at this screening? Quite a few. <laughs> okay. Um, but but anyhow, they, they uh, he he has this accident caused yeah. by this power surge. The, the power company, surge is a worldwide thing. It's a, pro- oh, yeah. it's a problem around the globe, mm-hmm. right? But and, his this it sends him specifically plummeting towards his death. Right. And and the U.S. Space Command, which is being referred to as Spacecom, mm-hmm. um, which employs him. Has uh, determined that it's probably 
his dad is involved with this power surge somehow, even though they had claimed that his dad was totally lost. And, uh, excuse me. And uh, and they want to send him out into space further to be able to contact his dad. Um, they want to send him by to, going to Mars, right? They want to send him to Mars to send a communique that can get to his father and believe that only the son might be able to convince the father to respond. Respond, yeah, yeah. right. And that's the. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, the basics. Setup. Yeah, that's, that's the setup, setup to yeah. the to yeah. the film. And you know, Brad Pitt's heart rate has never peaked eighty BPM. He's right. very so calm, he's, cool, he's this collected. Perfect specimen to yeah. be sending. Up and then there, yeah. it turns out that the more he thinks about it, the more his relationship with his father troubles him. He gets more emotionally invested, etc. Uh huh. Um, gets kicked off the project. And kicked then... off the project. Sneaks back onto the rocket to go you know, investigate this Lima project situation. Now here's, here's what I'm going to say about the movie. I'm ready. I was not interested in it at all. Huh. Like before af- you went or before I went, okay. After seeing the trailers a couple times, I was like, I don't care about this. Uh-huh. I, there's nothing really, this isn't doing it for me. So I go today. Um, I'm leaving the store and Josh is like, oh, you know, so, you know, so what are you going to do all day? And I was like, I'm going to go see Ad Astra. And he was like, oh, yeah, you guys doing it for the show? I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you excited? And I was like, Meh. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I, I get there, sit down, doing my thing, you know, whatever. The first About the first hour of the movie, I was like, fuck, man, maybe I'm going to be super wrong about this. Maybe this is a very transcendent piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Maybe this Heady, is a benchmark slow. of yeah. sci-fi cinema. And then the last hour happens, and I was like, eh. I don't know. Is another one where the ending just the whole end part really didn't? Because I mean, fuck, man, some of the visuals in this thing when in the very beginning, you know, when he's going to the moon and then mm-hmm. in Mars and then stopping off to look, you know, to answer a mayday call, right? And all that kind of stuff. Oh man, it's beautiful filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then and some interesting social commentary. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things you just talked about when they get to the moon, which has been colonized. Yes. There is no um, governance. There is no yeah. world order the way that we might have the United Nations or just a lot NATO of, treaties or well, anything there, like there's that. There's a lot of disputed there territory. Is, but, it's a, but it's a frontier. It's the Wild West. Correct. Yeah. It's the Wild West. And there's disputed, like you said, disputed territories and pirates that mm-hmm. make travel on the lunar buggies, which exactly is what you'd expect oh. it to be. Yeah. When I say lunar buggy, that's exactly what it is. Here dune, com- a here- dune buggy, but on the moon. Yeah. Here come, <laughs> here come pirates to thwart that that to steal your shit yeah to, exactly um and a subway on the moon and i thought that was so brilliant that we can't escape kind of like even though it's the wild west out there subways made a mark in yeah. the, in, yeah. the, in the land in the, you yeah, see a couple other things in the landing area and, i thought that that was so so smart and interesting and and there is some interesting social commentary even further than that cuz one thing i was thinking about is when he goes to the moon, he's flying commercial, uh-huh. you know, as to keep a low prof. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, first of all, how do you make travel to the moon economically viable? And then yeah. I see, you know, because there's the rocket and then you ditch part of the rocket. That's like how most space travel yeah. works as we understand it today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, how much waste are you creating sending people to the moon as frequently as you right. would have to for it to be commercially viable. And then 
at some point, Brad Pitt in his endless voiceover refers to humanity as the eater of worlds, mm-hmm. which addressed some of my previous questions more directly. And I was like, yeah, there's, I mean, it doesn't matter where we go, we're going to devour whatever resources we can find, right. no matter what. And there's never any other kind of option for humanity or at, social at, consciousness at, that makes us change at, our ways at the point of industrialization that we have reached right. is we're just going to devour any resources we can until we have to move somewhere else. Right. And that's evident in parts of this film, which I found interesting. Um, but I think, I think once Brad Pitt's character leaves Mars, it gets kind of like, eh. what for me. So, yeah, so David, I, had- I was probably the most excited of any of us to see this film. I like science fiction. I like I it. heady science fiction. I had the feeling from the trailer yeah, you made that it was going to be. I did. Um, I, I had a feeling it was going to be that kind of heady science fiction experience. And unfortunately, I was a little let down by this one um, for, for a few reasons. I do think it did some things really nicely. There were some great little set pieces in there. I think the, right. the dune buggy fight with the pirates was great. Yeah. I think the the um, strange uh, Mayday situation where, you know, this is on the trip from the moon to Mars and the the ship encounters a vessel that is sending out a mayday signal, and when they go to investigate, it has these um, apes that have gone nuts. That shit was wild. It was, yes. And they, and, and they get attacked. I mean, I thought that was well apes done. Apes on board to do scientific experimentation on right. that have taken control of the ship and eaten all of the crew. The, right. That, have, that, have that ta- don't need to breathe, apparently. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, so I think there were some, some interesting things there. Even like, you know, certainly the sets, I think the production design was very nicely done, the special effects. I mean, it was some great visuals. Yep. But at its core... Right, this story about this character, this Roy McBride um, character, Brad Pitt is playing, um, and his dad. You know, this um, he learns his father was still alive when thinking he hadn't been for a long, long right. time. Um, I could not relate to that character at all, and his total need for isolation. It just didn't. The Tommy Lee Jones character. No, Brad Pitt. Okay. The, you know, like, the, all that voiceover we get, all that, like, it just kept going on and on and on about how Endlessly. he didn't want to be with anybody, he just wanted to be by himself. But, but, I mean, it just felt as alienating as I've ever had an experience. Like, I feel like if they had cut out the voiceover entirely, I might have been able to read my own thing into it i agree but the way that it just kept hitting me over the head with this guy doesn't want to be around anybody he doesn't want to see anybody he doesn't want to have to interact with anybody he doesn't want to you know the the oh woe is me shit with the with the wife it barely never bought it it doesn't get developed there's it's just these weird like visual flashbacks of Liv tyler walking out of rooms and stuff how many times to live i don't how many times does Liv tyler have to send a man into outer space by the way yeah oh god poor Liv tyler yeah also so i mean i and it's interesting It it was i i haven't had that much trouble connecting with the main character yeah in i don't know how long it just it was such an alienating experience and then there would be a moment like okay this is good this is good get and then it would get there. back to the yeah. the voiceover the voice and i'd just over, be yeah. like what? incessant voiceover and i'm glad you brought up the live tyler thing 
because we have Liv Tyler, we have Tommy Lee Jones, we have Natasha Leone, who <laughs> that are, was who that are was, so I was hopeful. I was hopeful. I was like, oh, this is going to take a weird yes. turn. It's going to give me because, more Natasha Leone because I she's need totally it. just Natasha Leone yeah. on Mars. All she's right, like, put your palm right, down you kids, on the thing. Doing and, and I'm like, oh wait, that that's on Mars. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's see let's what Mars go, is about, and go. then that goes away. Yeah, but, it goes yeah, away so yeah. fast. She's in it for 45 seconds, yeah. and I was so sad about that because I was literally just talking to Kylie about this Natasha Leone interview rabbit hole I went down recently <laughs> on, on YouTube because they just kept being recommended to me and it's like her on Conan and she's like okay so I was making this picture and Conan's like picture who are you like what year are you from like who calls it a picture nobody since 1945 has ever been like so we were making this picture you know? and she's so fucking funny and charismatic and like interesting and you know Tommy Lee Jones is a really great actor still. I mean, we should say. But, okay, but, but there you go. Once, but, like, but once he gets in there, like, I thought, okay, well, now the emotion is going to come in and I'm going right. to feel this. But I totally. He gets, to, he gets to the vessel and his father is there and they do alive. have a reunion. So, and he literally just looks at him and says, fuck you, Roy. Yeah. I don't give a shit about and you. And this is a guy who's been totally isolated for, what, 16 years? A long fucking I mean, time. I guess his crew, some of his crew was around for a while longer. Yeah, but he murders but, most yeah. of them. He murdered most of them, but then, like it, it, he I mean, believed that they were trying to sabotage the mission, so he had to expend them. But, but you know, yeah, that's the reaction that he would. He was so like kind of. So it. Just I never cared about you. No, so. I, I get There's no that, payoff. I get that yeah. it was trying to go for these kind of like how we're driven by like this kind of split between like our professional lives and our family lives and our personal lives and the toll that our personal lives take for what we're driven to do and you know how his dad's profession no i get it but it just took it to such a level yeah that it was unrelatable to me and there and there was something like you know there's part of me that's like okay is this allegory maybe but I have to still be able to get sucked in somehow, and I have yeah. to care. Like I wanted, I'm I'm somebody who likes to feel the emotion of those kind of relate. Like, and here you have, in my mind, one of those sort of archetypal uh, family relationships. You know, the father and the son, the 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 son who feels kind of abandoned by the father, and this way. I feel like I should have been sitting there weeping like a baby at the end of this film with those two interacting and the most like the highest level of my emotion during that whole sequence was meh yeah. I mean that was yeah. that was as yeah. far as I got with like them in space and kind of like him clinging to him and like let me go let me go yeah let him go who the fuck cares get yeah. get out of here let, so, let him go off into space you know I, I've, I've said this on the podcast a couple times before and I'll say it again I prefer a movie fuck Machine Gun Kelly <laughs> Oh, oh my god! Oh, never was, mind. I thought you were going a different direction. No, no, no. I I prefer Sorry. I prefer a film that when I go to Rotten Tomatoes to look at its rating uh-huh. is in like the sixties. Okay, like fifty-five to seventy range because that means closer to fifty-five because that means there's some split, you know, uh, opinions about it, which you know usually points to a more interesting film than something that just is like hovering at a 90 95 but this one's pretty split just on the guardian alone we have two headlines ad astra review brad pitt reaches the stars in superb space opera same website ad astra review (laughs) 
Brad Pitt sulks in outer space. (laughs) The first one was a five star. The second one was a two star. But apparently, according to another Guardian article written by Steve Rose, that Brad Pitt was very explicit in that this movie is supposed to, and I don't think that it achieves this in any way, uh, be an examination of what defines and the toxic aspects of masculinity. I can buy that. I can, I can, I can buy that. I can buy it, but having seen it without knowing that going into it, I did not get that from it. No, and it, and I think it's such a... Like, I can see how this... Like, the dedication to one's career above all else and disinterest in family and children. and Like, I can see how that is an aspect of toxic masculinity, though it's not... It's not the totality of it by any means, no. it, nor is it like it's pushed to such an extreme that, again, it gets unrelatable. Like there's lots of toxic masculinity that's out there that I think I see on a daily basis that I would and I do see films about that, that that I'm interested in seeing. This one, it takes like a facet of it and ratchets it up to such a point that it becomes unrelatable to me. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down Brad, to. Brad Pitt's that. got two speeds, super charismatic and super boring. And this movie was just not. Very, I don't. I don't you know. Even I don't. Like I don't hang, there was no charisma. But in I don't film. hang it on him as much as no. I just do the script. I yeah. just think that like the way the story. And again, all that voiceover uh, monologue I, stuff that they give him. I don't understand where that initial wave of critical success came from that that hyped up well, my expectations feels, so high. I will say it I spent, feels like a heady movie. I spent it the rest feels. of the afternoon looking up ad Astra reviews to try to figure out why I was wrong. I did that. You know, I did that it's right like after. I'm, no, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's yeah. the, the, the movie falls short of what it might have I been. I was hoping one of us was going to be a defender because no. I don't yeah. well, We can move on then, no, I think. Well, no, I mean, I just, it's, it's not that. I was... I, I was <laughs> Joe... I, 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 we, I walked out... Joe's like, this to me is Brad Pitt is my child. I'm just going to leave him behind and go <laughs> okay, off so, in this bit. <laughs> so I, I was watching this movie and... Just from the visuals alone, within the first hour of it, I literally thought to myself, and I saw Ad Astra after I rewatched Interstellar, mm-hmm. and what I'm going to say about Interstellar later is probably going to contradict what I'm about to say right now, but as I was watching Ad Astra, within that first hour, I literally thought to myself, why would anybody ever make a sci-fi movie ever again? After 2001, why would anybody ever huh. try to do this again? Because everything is going to be so derivative of what Kubrick did in 2001. And there's a lot of visual elements of this that are the same. Especially a thinking movie and not a space adventure movie. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I'm of two minds about the voiceover because take it out and you get a much closer recreation of 2001. A lot more open-ended, a lot headier. But, you know, you keep it in and you get a little too on the nose as david said somewhat alienating film um but man it's so hard to watch a heady not action-packed sci-fi movie and think about anything other than other than 2001 for yeah. me i mean it's tough no, and- I, i'll agree with you there i mean i thought of it several times as i was watching it i, yeah. was, where I was like okay this clearly wants to have a Kubrick moment, yeah, and then, but then that comparison really kills there. it. Yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't ever because get there. I'm like, that left it open. That that's the difference. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Kubrick and Asimov. Wait, Clark, Jesus, Arthur I did C. that Clark, last yeah. time. The, 
<laughs> that that Kubrick and Clark. You say fuck two thousand one. <laughs> Hell no. Uh, that that they leave it open. Those are fighting words. <laughs> they leave it open enough that we can sort of read ourselves into it, and right. And, Not and even just read yourself, but like leave a viewing of two thousand one. Going, what the fuck happened? Well, but you that's know? it. But I mean, like Dave. I need to watch it again. Dave, to, to some extent, yeah. is a blank canvas, and we can project ourselves into it. They loaded the Roy, the Brad Pitt character here, yeah. with so much internal monologue through so that voiceover. Much. That it was just unmistakable. Like, no, this is a guy who's like spent his whole life trying to push himself away from other people and hasn't realized it. And now is supposed to be having some epiphany, but it's an unearned epiphany. And it's, just, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I agree. Yeah, I so, agree. Anyway. Um, um, okay. Well, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, let's take Joe's advice and move on here. <laughs> um, Car- Carlos has already kind of teed us up here. We, we have another uh, big, heady sci fi film that we're going to be looking at that I think does things a little differently. Um, oh, but before we do that, we should rejoin our conversation about stairwaves. What did Stair- you guys think of this? Mast landing and dancing gnome, triple dry hopped, double IPA. Did we ever figure out the uh, ABV on this Yeah, thing? 8.2. 8.2, very nice. Prime time. Uh, you can taste the th- third hopping, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the third dry hopping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can taste it. I mean, uh, they're, they, they're... This is a very good beer. Yeah. Oh, it's a great beer. It's got a little too much on it. Too much on a it. little too, too much on much it. On I it. Disagree. That's my joke. The third hopping. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got a. There's a little too much of a hop profile. See okay. now, okay, a little over the this, edge. Having this back to back with another di- double IPA, I mm-hmm. think was was interesting because with o- the OJ that we were talking about earlier from Lone Pine. Um, where especially we felt it was a little misleading with the the, the juice OJ, yeah. and the you know the orange slice and uh-huh. like it's not juicy like that. Um, it it's so much sweeter, maltier yeah. sort of profile than what we're getting here. Mm-hmm. This, not that it's super light, but it is a drier. It's not light. It's a drier beer. Yeah, it is. It's a and it has more of those kind of citrusy notes from the hops than OJ did. Yeah. And so to me, this is a much more pleasurable experience drinking the Stairwaves yeah. than it was the OJ. Stairwaves is so good. I don't disagree. There's just a taste on the end that I'm attributing to the, that the third, third dry yeah. the third, yeah. The third one. That goes a little too far for the you. The first two was okay. The first one was okay. Yeah. The second one... The third one? No, I'm just I'm fucking around. I'm a little drunk. This is a delicious beer, and it's got really it's got drunk. a bitter, bitter profile on an IPA that you guys know that I like very, right, very right. much. Yeah, so I, I love the Stairwaves. I would uh, recommend this again. one with without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a big fan. Mm. I I like it a lot. The so. last sip is yours, my friend. Ooh. All right, take it. So with that, let's go into the break, and when we get back, we'll be talking about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar.
right, we're back, and uh, as promised, we are going to be talking about another heady sci-fi film, the uh, 2014 science fiction uh, film by Christopher Nolan, Interstellar. But before we do that, we're going to get some more beer into our glass, and that is uh, St. Elmo out of uh, Austin, Texas. Love which it. We will probably have on a future episode as well. And we have had on a previous episode. And we have had on a previous episode. So we are just showing lots of St. Elmo love here. Well, we'll see. Shouts out Nathan, yeah. who does not listen to this podcast, even though he's my best friend and he should. Nathan, but come he's on. He's always preaching St. Elmo's gospel to me. You know, well, while you're pouring that up, I'm going to tell, tell this story. We asked on our Facebook page, what movie should we pair with Ad Astra? And it was Jacob Irwin, That's a listener right. and a Facebook fan. Shouts out. Who said, uh, why don't you do Interstellar? And it was such a good suggestion, we could not ignore it. You should go to our Facebook page, and Carlos will tell you how to do that. Yeah, and there, there were other not good right suggestions, now, too. But, uh, but later. I, I was going to have you do it, because I don't know the name of the page. Facebook.com slash TX. I just tricked you. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Shit! So, um, so what are we drinking, David? So one of our first listener-recommended pairings. This is... Uh, <laughs> Joe, you're That's a mess. not me, that's the can. This is our, yeah, it is. It is, uh, so again, St. Elmo is the brewery. The beer is called McCafe. And it's Damn actually it. kind of a, uh, a take on another beer that they have. So they have an imperial IPA that they call McLovin, which... Our film fans out there will probably know the reference, right? The film Superbad, uh, the character with the McLovin name on his fake ID. Um, so they have that beer. Um, that we is, reviewed, we reviewed Superbad with our uh, Booksmart, Booksmart episode. episode film That's of the year. right. Uh, so, so this one is one they do that actually takes that, I believe, probably that McLovin base, but adds coffee to it. So it's a coffee imperial IPA, huh. and it is ten ten percent. Is it ten even? They say ten yeah, even on the 10%. can. Yeah. Um, so so a pretty hefty one, and it's amazing how right on the nose you get that coffee. Right? Have you have you taken a little? Yeah, it's, it's reminding me of our blonde ale conversations where the beer is golden and there's a coffee scent aroma, and to yet it. they are not calling it a golden stout. Thank God. <laughs> Am I right, fellas? You are right. Well, it's a yeah, yeah. Um, so so we will yeah, and again, you you get a little bit. I mean, it's definitely a lighter color, but it but it's got a little bit of a brown tint it's to it. Yeah, yeah, it's so. opaque and. So nice pour and right. So I'll reserve the talk of the taste for, yeah. for a little bit later. Oh, so yeah. let's let's sip on this while we uh, get ourselves into some interstellar discussion. My son is a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Okay, that's right. That's right. And he saw Interstellar a couple weeks before I did in, in its theatrical release, and uh, came home. And I've had the same experience. Before you continue, okay. Because you said your son is a big Christopher Nolan fan. He is. It has become somewhat of a faux pas in the uh, greater film appreciating community to say Christopher Nolan is your favorite director. It's like saying that Led Zeppelin's your favorite band. It, he's he's it's too on the nose. It's too mainstream now. Okay. To like you, it's like. I say like what you like. It's like, it's one of those things where it is maybe a little more 
um, deep cut for like the average moviegoer that just goes to see the Marvel movies, but for like the true film buffs, it's like, oh yeah, like okay. Right. You like something that mainstream? That's your favorite director? Like, have you never heard of Lars von okay. Trier? Have you never heard okay. of okay. Ingmar okay. Bergman? Yeah, have you I never heard? You. Sure. you know, like, well, it's like stuff like, like that. Maybe, maybe Tarantino. Have fan you never heard of Kurosawa? You right. know, like and whatever. Well, he walked in the door. How do we feel about that, though? Mm. Uh, I said, like what you like. Because it's. Visual, I have to put up with vi- you liking what you like on this podcast every <laughs> single fucking week. It seems like because it's this movie is visually stunning. Yeah, no, I I mean... Uh, I had a son story going. Yeah, sorry. It's yeah. okay. He walked in the door with this visceral stun. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Dad. And he's like, Dad, I haven't Dad. seen you in 16 years. Can we have a conversation? And you're... <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> you are on Neptune. See, you, 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 did, you didn't see me swirling uh, dust on the floor? I was sending you messages. No, um, he, he said, Dad, I have seen the best movie ever made. Wow. And that's high expectations, and I admire his opinion. So uh, when I finally got to see it on DVD... Uh, oh, uh, you didn't see this at the I, I did not. I didn't. Oh, yeah, that, I, that's oh. a bummer. I can't. No, I know, but Christopher Nolan's so mainstream. Why would I go to <laughs> here and waste my hard-earned dollar? Good point. Good yeah. point. Very see, good point. Yeah, Very good point. Joe's uh, Joe cinephile saving my money for Jojo Rabbit or something else. Ooh. Okay, e- equally. Hey, no, let's not get on that tangent. Okay. We will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, will right. we will. We will <laughs> touch on Jojo Rabbit. I don't know. Yeah. You, you interrupted a son story for that no, bullshit. No, I'm kidding. I'm fucking around. I'm fucking around. Okay. All right, fuck me. All right. A very I mean, visceral, a, a very visceral movie. Uh, is, is that what you said a little while ago? A very no. I just think that visually, yeah. this movie is stunning. It is. It is. Christopher Nolan has a good game. Maybe that's why people like him so much. I don't know. It's you know. I think I'm just trying to um, reconcile my belief that I, as a film appreciator, am. Um, somewhat more elevated in my taste and viewing and a little more cultured than your uh, well, average can... person. But Christopher Nolan is, and I will say it, I will go on record on this podcast right now that Christopher Nolan is in my top five all-time directors. But I think we can and, speak to this for a minute or so. Or, or so. He revolutionized the superhero film he did. when he did his ba- he Batman. changed the game. He changed the game. And he has... Now, are well, we gonna, are well, we gonna... well, wait, wait. So... So David, if you disagree with that, I will fist. No, No, David's trying to keep us on track, but I think you and I are enjoying this conversation. (laughs) No, that's no. You're both wrong. He didn't change the game? No, because people didn't make films as good as his films after. If he changed the game, it means that he made people, he inspired people to make better movies. Oh, so he elevated and no one could He elevated it and then nobody followed it up. That's Well, Marvel decided they didn't need to to make more money. And they didn't. Right. They they were right. So no, 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 no. The the films can still be made for mass market entertainment. Sure. He follows that up with, with, help me out, because the the filmography is going to be a little blurry right now. Inception was after Dark Knight Rises. Okay. No, it was was Inception and then Dark Knight Rises. Right. And was, Inception, yeah, yeah. Inception's a mind bender. Inception's yeah. a fun, fun movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, I think, but but to so, go back but, to it, but where did the, so this critical mass say that he jumped the shark, or well, however it, you want to put it? I don't think it's. it's I, don't I don't think, think it's, it's a jump the shark. So yeah. I think I think it's similar. And, and I made it. I don't think we, I don't think no, we Dunkirk's quite heard amazing. what I said earlier. But I think it's I similar to Tarantino. I yeah. think it's like there is. 
it is so obvious. He's such a celebrated director. I it becomes find Tarantino so. Tarantino has that reputation. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but it's like it, it, it was that way with Scorsese at one point. Yeah, and, and it's that way with any director that gets sort of critical praise from a large segment of the critical, critical establishment and mainstream and success mainstream box success, office success right and box office success then with the cinephile a certain segment of cinephiles it will we have to st- turn our nose up they're, they're too successful st- for their right own it will yeah, start to be mainstream. like okay this is this is middle Whatever. brow entertainment yeah. this is entertainment that can both please the masses and please the critics no, thank you. I want something that's yeah. truly thought-provoking. I want something that pushes me to... I want something to that's hard to watch. Now, granted, I'm as guilty as anybody of wanting things to do things that are offensive and strange and sure. alienating. Yeah. I like David Lynch a lot, right? right? And he's a guy who doesn't get that because he will never appeal to a mass audience in the same way Fuck that Christopher no. Nolan or, or Quentin Tarantino does. But for those who do, those who can straddle that line of yeah. critical praise and ma- mainstream success, they do suffer that backlash from cinephiles. God, I think so, there's room for everybody. Now he does well, not sure, do. He sure. does not do himself a favor casting Matthew McConaughey, who is. Mm. Oh, 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 let me finish, Carlos, before you wind up. Who is <laughs> a very, ma- with the exception of Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club, a very mainstream actor who, who chooses mainstream products a lot. Yes, I'll agree with that. And Anne Hathaway. Yeah, but what I will say about Matthew McConaughey in this role at this time is that it's right around the time of Dallas Buyers Club. It's right around the time that he's starting to be taken more seriously Mud. as a thespian, Mud. and he's starting to get that Academy recognition. And I think that it is a perfect time for him to be in a Nolan movie because of that. I understand what you're saying about Hathaway because it's hard to see her really in anything. And she was good in. um, I mean, she's good. Back Mountain. She's good in. She's good in things. No, she is good in great movie. I will not discount Anne Hathaway's ability as a performer, but she's just so mainstream and so kind of likable to anybody and all audiences, and so malleable and stuff that. But. I want it. I want this podcast to be the first to go on record and say this. Go ahead. Christopher Nolan discovered Timothy Chalamet. You're all welcome. Oh, that's interesting. I thought. You know, I thought in rewatching this, I didn't even know it was him. No, that was it. That yeah. th- it, this was the first time because I saw it in the theater back yeah. in the day. And what I was going to say it in was IMAX. So, but to get back to before I go <laughs> off on another tangent, <laughs> seeing it this time, it was amazing to be like. Holy shit, that's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Like, he was, you know, unknown, right? Unknown. I mean, what had he had a couple roles before that probably, but Maybe. but whatever. Like the first film that I really remember him in was uh, you know, Call Me By Your Name. Overrated movie. Agreed. Disagreed. I thought it was fantastic, mm. but <laughs> he was really good in it and it was right around the same time as Lady Bird, which I like great a lot. in that. Agreed. God, he's good in that. And he was really good in that. So, you know, the you know, it's only been in the past couple of years that I've yeah. really been aware of him. But then to see this, wow, he was in that like yeah. three yeah. years before either of these films. And while huh? we're talking casting quickly, I thought his use of Michael Caine was a very bold choice. M- Michael well, Caine? Michael Caine? Michael Caine? We've got to yeah. solve the equation. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I think that everything, with the exception of maybe Casey Affleck, everything he did in this movie was fantastic. Like, the casting's great. The writing's great. The... 
twist, uh, the twist, the bring it together at the end. I'm, well, sure, but even before that, the fact that from the very outset, when he first started writing the script, he brought like legit scientists on board to uh, be like, this needs to be right. accurate. We need to speaking this of needs, Kubrick, this needs to well, be believable. So this was. But it, but from what I understand, it was his brother's project before it was ever his. Yes, right? his brother developed it. I want to say in two thousand seven as a project, and then the two of them wrote it together to make Interstellar right. what it is now. Right. Uh, but yeah, they brought those people on as producers, as consultants, and there were a couple. There was I was I was reading about this right after I rewatched it again. That there was some part of the story where nolan wanted a character in it to travel past the speed of light and he fought with the guy whose name i cannot remember off the top of my head right now ken something i think maybe yeah um, uh, kip, but, thorn, kip, kip thorn kip thorn right uh, about uh, they fought about it and fought about it and fought about it until eventually nolan conceded his point and came back on it was like, okay fine we won't do it but, I mean, this has been hailed as one of the most scientifically accurate sci-fi movies that's ever been made. And one, you know, that's not super important to me in general. Uh, you know, if you want to, you know, extend past what is actually, and it's a movie, you know, but as long, well, you know, as we've been over before, as long as you establish the rules of the universe you created and then abide by them, and they don't have to be true to the world that we know today. But the fact that they were able to do that without sacrificing any of how interesting the narrative is and any of without also sacrificing any of the very elaborate otherworldly science fiction aspects of it is I mean truly remarkable I think and this I mean it's one of the greatest sci-fi films we've seen in and it's one a of those, very long time. When people say like Star Wars is inaccurately called science fiction because there's no real science presented. It's it's more of just like you know, yeah. Uh, okay. It's spiritual, the force. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a, a western in in space with fictional alien characters. There's this is science fiction. Going back to what we were talking about and the reverence that we hold yeah. for 2001. Yeah. And and science I'm, first. I'm hearing you say a lot of the things that I've read about Kubrick's execution of that film, and that is, I don't want this to be hokey. I want it to be scientifically pure with the science that he had in 1976 or whenever the film was produced. Yeah, I'm Interstellar is definitely a science fiction film science first and I don't mind be calling Star Wars a science fiction film but it's definitely way more fiction mm -hmm. and because that's so much more of an action epic, right. you know, western like you it's said. A it's a circus in space. I mean same with Firefly and Serenity and sure. you know some stuff like that and uh, spaceships equal science fiction and not necessarily yeah and it's and that stuff's fine though you know like great like i'm cool i'm cool with that i love star wars i think that they do what they set out to do mm -hmm. and they did it very well but man some of the crazy shit that happens in this movie like some of the most and this goes you know again goes back to how well they did the science aspect of it some of the most emotionally gut-wrenching like truly rip your heart out of your chest and show it to you beating moments of this film are because of very valid scientific theories the whole gravity and relativity thing the whole world Dude, our, when, the whole direction our world is headed and, and the inability to grow crops and i'm glad that you said that like too <laughs> because i'm glad that you're glad because oh. When I watched this in 2019 versus in 2014 when it came out, because uh -huh. I was there opening weekend and IMAX to see this. Because of I've Christopher a, Nolan's name? I'm, yeah, because okay. I've been a, 
but seeing it in 2019 versus 2014, that aspect of it hits way harder now than it did then. Mm-hmm. And it's the, cl- cl- the climate change aspect. Yes. Yeah. But, but man, I, I remember being in the theater in some of those moments in outer space where the sound completely goes away and being able to hear everybody's little tiny move and like readjustment of their seats and stuff like that, hearing people sniffling during parts. But man, when they come back from that tidal wave planet, uh-huh and 30 years have gone by that's one of the most emotionally intense moments in film no matter how many times you've seen it i mean just the idea that you could have come back to a time 30 years later when you've when mere hours have passed for you and see all of these people you loved aged and grown up and how much time you miss versus the fact that you only spent that much time. I mean, it's so guilt and shame, the guilt, the shame. It's so fucked up and there's no way that as a human, this review has gone this direction. There's no way that you can watch that moment and think anything other than just being like heartbroken for those characters. Well, and and this kind of gets to why I was happy that we ended up that, that, uh, thank you to our listener, Jacob, Jacob, uh, for suggesting this, that it, it was in some ways uncannily good pairing because this is an exercise Uh in how well you can execute this kind of story of, the the sort of um cerebral well but no but like being drawn to do something for all of humanity's good that is going to have a personal life cost that you're gonna like again it separates you from your family it separate separates you even from some of your co-workers and how you're doing that like it because you're gonna try to achieve this goal but it was all motivated i saw these care i understood why they were doing the what they were doing i understood what it was that was driving them, and then the emotional cost of it felt real to me mm-hmm. when I'm watching it, you know, then and now. Whereas at Astra, that didn't feel right because they never gave me the re- why is Tommy Lee Jones so driven to do this? Yeah. You, you've seen a they, couple of photos of him as a younger right. man, but other and, than that, there is no connection exactly. to his son. Exactly. And, and how much has Brad Pitt outside of humanity? Yeah, I mean, it just it didn't have the same yeah. kind of. But you, stakes, but gra- yeah. gravity. But you can always count on a Nolan, whether it's Christopher by himself or him and Jonathan together or just Jonathan by himself. You can always count on a Nolan screenplay to be super well written, why was expertly f- crafted. Why yeah. Why was the first thing you mentioned in the review of this movie almost like an apology for liking him? Why did you go there first? Well, if this is your top five director, are you trying to justify how you feel about him? Because I will say that sometimes I feel quote unquote basic for putting him in my top five because but that's the society you're it comparing is. your opinion to society's view. It is, and I, yes, you're right. You're totally right about yeah. that, and I won't try to shy away from that. I like the movie Pure um, Country. I like El Chingon as a beer. <laughs> I'm not going to make apologies for those things because for whatever reason, the biological soup that's my brain likes those things. Yeah, am I, I wrong? Maybe. I, well, but. It's, it's a you know, it's a thing about the it's um. A disparity between the way that you perceive yourself and the way the world perceives you. Like, I would like to perceive myself as, like, somewhat cultured or, like, that I have good taste when it comes to whether it's film or music or whatever. But when I tell a quote-unquote cinephile that Christopher Nolan's in my top, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, we get it, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, I I wouldn't... I, I do also 
somewhat view myself differently in that regard too, because how many quote unquote Christopher Nolan fans have seen following, you know, like how many people have been on the Nolan train since 2006 sure. or whatever, you know? Well, the, like, Hey, I, I, was, I mean, no, no one saw following no, until no. after the fact, until, when, after and, Batman came out. No, until, Memento. until after Memento. Memento. Thank you. Yeah, you were going to say because right. Memento, even though people, that's another one that people kind of crack jokes at because it did, no. it does have such a, what, but it's a fucking amazing. No, movie. Memento was amazing when it came out. And I think it it's was amazing so amazing. Still? That it just created its own backlash. No, yeah. I'm talking about, the evolution of of, of 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 criticizing Memento means that you're ignoring your initial reaction. Well, to I it. think, but so that gets to. I think it really is when you hit that weird sweet spot of critical praise and success. mainstream success that it just it gets those people who would maybe otherwise like the films to say no. There's something deficient here. There's something. And again, you know, the other tag that he gets is like this is such a a boy filmmaker he's such a, he tells stories about boys and men and, and like he's and a I, man and i get that and i and i totally understand it i do think though there are some great female characters in his films yeah. and murphy is one of them and that's great to see that character which you see various phases of in here you know some uh, probably the most important of which uh played by jessica chastain mm-hmm. in this film so I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was talking to a friend of mine about it chapter two and saying that, which we talked about on the show uh-huh. that she wasn't given a lot to do. And this particular friend of mine said, well, I haven't really seen anything from Jessica Chastain that says that she's capable of really giving a lot or mm-hmm. doing something. But I think she's great in this movie. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I watching it again, I, I was, you know, still, I feel that she delivers a great performance and it's a great role for her. What I was going to say earlier before I forget, seeing this film back in the day, whatever it was, five five years ago, on the IMAX screen was amazing. I really yeah. enjoyed like we were talking about the visuals earlier. It was a tiny bit of a letdown to small to have to watch this on a small screen. Yeah. I agree. 100%. When Joe said he only got to see this on DVD, yeah. I really did feel bad Bummer. for him. I mean yeah, like I I'm going to look down on no, Joe okay. for the rest of like shit. <laughs> but no, seriously. I remember I'm not as bad as I feel for putting Nolan in my top 5. I re- <laughs> I don't I, know. I I saw it on IMAX as well and it was truly breathtaking. The visuals. My only complaint is of the film or the the experience. Century mm-hmm. does not regulate talking in theaters very well, hmm. and some of those sequences in Interstellar are so quiet. Yeah, that anybody even moderately whispering to somebody in the entire room can be heard. And it was pretty rough, and it is very upsetting to me because I went. I mean, I went and saw it by myself because I was that eager to see it. I was like this fucking second i have free time i'm going mm-hmm. and um uh, for a second screening no for the first time oh, i saw okay, it good. i was like the absolute first free second i have mm-hmm. in my life i'm going to see this movie. what does nolan have coming out next tenet yes it has been very lightly teased um yeah that, i don't know too much about what yeah. it's going to be is he an than... opening night director for you carlos 100 percent um, I saw Dunkirk as soon as it came out. I saw Interstellar as soon as it came out. I saw, actually, when Dark Knight Rises came out, I was on tour at the time. Uh, we were in San Diego, and 
I'm, Texas or California? Important. Cal- California. Okay. And I made everybody that I was with wake up at like 9 a.m. that day. And when you're on tour, you don't want to wake up at 9 a.m. I literally woke everybody up in the apartment we were staying in. We were staying with a friend of a friend. And <laughs> I was like, get your fucking ass in the van. There's a 1030 showing of Dark Knight Rises. We're going right now. And we went. And when we got out, we, you know, looked at the news of the shootings on our phones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. But it it was, uh, yeah. I, for- I made everybody go because I was like, there's no fucking way I'm not going to see this opening day. Um, <laughs> and it was a whole thing. And everybody was really mad at me for it because I made them wake up early. Did they enjoy the movie? It was kind of mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the weakest of the trilogy. Yeah, for right. sure. I mean, yeah. I'll admit it. Yeah, I thought Tom Hardy's Bane was great, but were you um, so Nolan punch drunk that you didn't recognize that it was the weakest at the time? Were you an apologist? Um, I don't remember. I remember being really excited for it, and so my excitement may have tainted my reception of it at the time. But I can't imagine that after seeing that movie. I was able to say it was better than The Dark Knight or anything like that. I mean, right. I, I think that if anything, if somebody that was with me didn't like it, I'd be like, you're an idiot. It was a good movie. Like, the fuck's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> but I wouldn't say, like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen, the best Batman movie ever. Oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. I would just be like, yeah, it was good. I mean, how do you top The Dark Knight? You know, like, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but with the exception of Insomnia... Everything he's ever done has been, you know. Insomnia did not do it for you. And it's good, but he didn't write it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's a it remake. Do- yeah, so it doesn't have the same energy and same quality that all of his other films do. It, but it even one... do- even Doodlebug, even the short film Doodlebug is incredible. Like, See, I, I haven't mean, seen that one. Yet. So good. Everything he does is amazing. And following is really one of the most like mind fuck. Yeah. Like. Just like what is happening, and then the last ten minutes, you're like, "Oh, I get it." Man. I just had more free time. It seems like because when I saw Memento, I was pretty much blown away, and, and then I went backward uh, via Netflix DVD in the mail and watched uh, Following, right? Yeah. And that was before his career went past sure, Memento. Yeah. yeah. See, I well, he. I mean, Memento was still a fairly small film. Mm-hmm. At the time, I mean, yeah. it was celebrated. It it it, it, it made did Guy well. Pierce. It, it definitely. Uh, helped him to get his footing so that yeah. he could make other things. Count of Insomnia Christian. did well enough, but it, but again, like you, I mean, I was not super although blown over by it. But but then yes, it was when the Batman begins and that you know the, Prestige. Right. Oh God, Prestige is one of the most underrated unknown films. I in, I agree, in, it's in, heavily in, underrated. It is so good, and yeah, I think you know it kind of got swept under the rug in between like you know the critical indie praise of memento and like the incredible box office success of batman begins and reinventing an entire genre and to go back to what we were talking about earlier i do think that nolan's influence on the superhero genre is um very noticeable because even though it didn't propel other people to make great really you know, high art superhero films, it did 
bring into the public consciousness the idea that we can take this seriously and that not every superhero movie is going to have nipples on the main character like Joel Schumacher. Right. And allow right. Right. it in it. Right. Which is where we had evolved to. Yeah. Without the Nolan trilogy, the MCU doesn't happen because people don't take it seriously enough and people don't give it enough validity as a real movie going experience and not just like a hokey campy whatever. In order, I buy everything you just said. In order for that to happen, yeah, that's my take. That's on fair. It. That's fair. I yeah. Whew, what yeah. there's a weird energy in a lot of rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I think if I, I I think it's impossible to discuss Nolan without the rabbit hole. Personally, well, there you go. Okay, so let's let's uh, wrap this up by talking about the beer a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, but we were talking about Ad Astra and. Uh, you know, the 2001 similarities and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But the sequence in Interstellar, when Matthew McConaughey has to match the spinning of his rover to the spinning of the uh, Endeavor, the larger spacecraft, yeah, right. very 2001 vibes. Visually. Visually. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And also, I, I want to ask another question. How, when you're like setting out to make a sci-fi movie, whether it's Ad Astra or it's Interstellar or it's The Martian or, you know, whatever it is, how much of your budget is eaten up by Windex? Because these people have the most pristinely crystal clear, clear, like visors visors over (laughs) their space helmets that I've ever seen in my life. It's completely unbelievable that they are not riddled with fingerprints. (laughs) I think you've got an assistant director whose job it and is. And it trips to, me up every time. Like, man, but before every take, there's a glass cleaner mm-hmm. on that thing. That's a fair point. I think about and it. the gold flip down visor on. I think about it every time. Astra. I think about it every time. Yeah. I'll think yeah. about it every time from this point forward. Good. <laughs> Will you think about this beer from every point forward? Man, it's pretty good. It took me a refill. To get there on this beer. Yeah. But after I got, like, like in other words, that coffee, odd color, mm-hmm. mind fuck about it all. But then Just on the... like Interstellar. Yeah. On the second refill, on the, I'm sorry, the first refill, I I was in, and then, this, and then when we poured myself a little bit more, I was all in. This is a delicious, interesting beer and twist on, on the IPA. I don't recall having a... Sure, I have a coffee IPA. I don't know if you have. I have never. You have. I've, I've had a couple over the years. Yeah, there, there was a like moment. Yeah, there was a moment. I think. Uh, I want to say Stone had one that they had put out a little while ago, and there was there was another fairly large uh, craft brewery that I've had it. coffee blondes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, the coffee IPAs were a thing for a moment, but mm-hmm. but I think a lot of breweries kind of you know they tried it and it didn't work. But that's why I was that's why I got this. I was I was so stunned at how well this came together when I tried it at the brewery just a few days ago that I thought I need to get some of this and bring it back because they aren't usually flavors that go together, right? I mean, like yeah. coffee and hops. Don't necessarily. I mean, like, sure, coffee and a stout, coffee and a porter, coffee, like beers that are more kind of inclined towards the darker, roasty, chocolatey kind of thing. I get it, mm-hmm. but with an IPA, it generally doesn't work. And here, 
the balance is just about perfect. I mm, mean, you I get agree. that coffee yeah. on the front end, yeah. and then it kind of balances out with the with a little bit of bitterness right at the end, and then just clean. Like that, then it yeah. doesn't leave you with that lingering aftertaste. You're right. Yeah, it's got know. a great finish. I so I texted my friend Nathan, who is the biggest St. Elmo's fan I know. Mm-hmm. Um, pictures of our crowlers. Um, spoiler alert: there's multiple crowlers, uh, and. And his, his response to the picture of the crowler that we're drinking right now said, fair warning, that shit feels like it's a never-ending cup when you're drinking it. Make sure you either have a lot of time or a friend to help you when you open it. No. Uh, yeah. Because that 10% is hidden. Yeah, it's no, hidden. You, 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 don't, you don't want to uh, do 32 ounces of that yourself. By yourself. Yeah. You, are you not going to, uh, how do the kids say it, solo dome this one? <laughs> um, no. I thought you were the kid. <laughs> Yeah, that may be true, but because yeah. yeah, it is, I mean, it really is jam-packed with flavor. We okay? Right. Everything okay? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're I'm good. In, I'm okay. enjoying the beer. All right. Yeah, great beer. Uh, what was our final verdict on Interstellar? How do we all feel about it? I think it? we all think it's a magnificent piece I of filmmaking. I think we all enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think it's... See it's... it on IMAX if you can. <laughs> Regardless of how large the IMAX size does not matter here, no. a beer in a movie. If it says IMAX on the theater, it's an IMAX Ooh, from uh, this point <laughs> forward. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us what you thought about Ad Astra. Honestly, very genuinely interested to hear what the beer in a movie audience has to say about it because very mixed right, reviews from critics because none of us really yeah. loved it i mean we didn't hate it but didn't hate it but didn't no. love it but critics i wonder if some, a, i wonder if a second screening's kind of required i don't know i don't honestly but i don't I'm not think it's going to change it. it for me I but i am willing to listen to any of our sure. audience if they have something yeah. that we have missed here i yes. i am on the exact same train that david is on if somebody has some compelling case to make for it please let us know I will conduct a second screening myself, at least, um, if there's something that I missed. And the way for you to tell me that I missed something mm-hmm. is on all of our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show. You can find us on Instagram at Beer and a Movie and Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. As always, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to this episode and all of our previous episodes there. If you were listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. When you subscribe, you help yourself because you are able to stay abreast of all the most recent episodes. You'll be the first to know when the new episode comes out, which is every Wednesday, by the way. And please uh, rate and review the show. That is very helpful. We know you're going to give us that five-star rating, but if you leave us a review, tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. That very much helps us program all of our future content. And... Yeah, we uh, we drank some beer and we talked some movies. We drank three beers, and we this time three th- movies. Three movies. That's right. Uh, yeah. Really ran the gauntlet of styles. Yes, of film in many ways. Yeah. But but we stuck with IPAs. So <laughs> beer wise, we didn't. <laughs> we but did. It was a actually, good night for me. I forget that this last one was an IPA because it, it doesn't it was, have yeah. uh, very IPA vibes. Right. Um, so just remember, rage, rage. It's the dying of the light. <laughs>